Welcome back to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I got a bit of a unique show today uh, in that it's just me, as you can probably tell uh, by there being no guests in the title here and uh, in the shorter episode length and the fact that it's not on the regularly scheduled Tuesday release timeline. But I wanted to try something new here on the podcast feed um, where basically I take five to 10 minutes and share something that I've learned or that I've noticed um, and just operating my business on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, and I think the deal I just closed, there was a specific uh, piece of it um, that I really wanted to talk about. And I think that is, uh, is a good talking point or at least a good conversation point within the real estate uh, field, specifically the multifamily space. So uh, the idea that I wanna talk about here is retrading deals. And uh, when you should do it, maybe when you shouldn't do it, and just some things that uh, that that are that I think about when uh, when evaluating whether or not I'm gonna you know ask for something, ask for some kind of concession or a price reduction um, after I do my inspections. And I want to use this deal that I closed last week as an example of some of the downsides of retrading a deal, and uh, and just to give a high level overview of this deal. So. This was an off-market deal. I connected with the seller through uh, email prospecting, or our team did. Uh, we connected with them through email prospecting, and uh, after a you know number of months of following up, we got a couple of these a couple of properties in his portfolio under contract, and we ended up getting uh, two more in his portfolio under contract that are set to close next year. Um, but the reason I want to use this deal as an example of why retrading can be something that uh, really damages your ability to do more deals as a buyer to do deals with the same seller is uh, something that this seller said to me when we were negotiating back and forth uh, on price before we got them under contract. Basically, this seller, he sold the property to a a gentleman last year. Uh, This is before we connected and knew each other. And and during the contract period, this, this buyer that he sold another building to asked for numerous concessions and numerous uh, things to be fixed or, or, or had a, a number of requests in terms of items to be fixed and a number of requests in terms of price concessions related to some of the things he found during the inspection, a lot of which were just kind of unfounded, silly asks. You know, uh, we're talking about 1900s built properties here. You know, there's all the maintenance kind of issues that come with these old buildings that that, uh, that buyers who do repeat business in the in the in the city in the state that that I'm operating in are, are they kind of just let them go they're they're, they're not really uh, some things that need to be brought up uh, after an inspection period so things like some of the wiring being older some of the plumbing being older um, some you know some siding missing here and there a lot of ticky tack things that that you just need to let go if you're a buyer you can't ask for you know concessions on everything Um you know, the way I look at it is I really try not to ask for concessions at all. And if something comes up in the inspection period that that is so large that, you know, that it's just going to kill the deal, I'd rather walk than even ask, um, especially in off-market deals where I'm, I might be doing repeat business with that seller, which really was the case here. So basically this same, the, the, the buyer that this seller uh, was talking about that I just referenced um, that was looking for all kinds of concessions after the inspection period on this other deal he bought, he was submitting an offer on the same deals that I was submitting offers on. And my offers were actually a little bit lower uh, than his. However, the seller was so turned off uh, in his experience dealing with this buyer the last time that he that he actually just didn't, he just didn't take the deal. Uh, he didn't take the better price and he opted to go with me 
Um, even though he didn't, you know, there's no guarantee that I won't, you know, act in the same way. But he had such a bad experience with this other buyer that that this buyer ended up losing out on four more deals. You know, really all because he just he he, he wasn't able to see the long game, and he had such a short term view in terms of. I need to I need to extract the maximum value out of this singular deal rather than look long term and say I need to prioritize being someone who's easy to work with so that I'm really the first call and I get the priority when this gentleman looks to sell more of his properties in the future. And I think that's something that a lot of you know both newer and experienced investors you know need to think about, especially newer investors who are looking to build a portfolio. And this applies to brokers as well. Um, you know if you're if a broker brings you a deal. And you get through contract, and you start, you know, asking for, you know, large reductions in price, or you're looking to retrade for other reasons. There really, really has to be a good reason behind doing that, and you better be prepared to walk from the deal if you don't get the things that you're asking for. Um, because one of the worst things that you can do in this business is, is build a reputation as someone who retrades deals, because you're not going to get many deals brought to you by the people who are controlling the deals in your market. And, you know, there's two separate conversations as it relates to wholesalers and brokers, you know, bringing you deals and you being hard to work with, um, you know, that's going to damage or it's going to diminish your deal flow from those sources. You know, in the example that I'm talking about here, we're going direct to the seller off market. And, you know, in this situation, if you feel that you may do repeat business with this seller, your goal on the first deal needs to be being the absolute easiest person to work with um, because you need by doing so, you're, you're going to be the first call in the future, you know, ideally, right? And obviously, this doesn't mean you buy a bad deal, you know, or a deal that you should have walked on, but, but it's a good thing to keep in mind as you're conducting your due diligence. You know, another example of this is um, I received a call from an investor who I purchased a deal with uh, back late 2019, I believe it was. And it was a five-unit deal, and we got through inspections, and, you know, there were some things that that maybe should have been negotiated, like, you know, part of the roof, uh, there was some leakage in the roof, you know, one of the heating systems was was uh, failing, and some other things that probably totaled around 10 grand in cost to fix. You know, that said, I, I looked at the seller's portfolio, he owned 130 units, and I said, what are the chances that I'm gonna do repeat business with this seller if I just make this deal really easy for him, and I don't, you know, be a pain in the ass and ask for a concession here or a fix there. And I realized that, it's, it's likely that I make up whatever I'm leaving on the table here in the future. Um, and turns out I actually did an Instagram post about this, uh, about this seller. Um, it was a few days ago now, maybe a week ago, whenever this gets released, but basically he texted me with another property that he has that he's looking to sell essentially, you know, referring to how easy the first transaction was and how, how, how he wanted to give me first crack at this other one. And this deal, the, the, the price that we're negotiating on it is, is below market. It's going to, you know, more than five to, to, you know, at least five X to, you know, maybe even 10 X, the amount of money that I left on the table by not retrading the first deal. And it's all because I, I took a longer term view. And I think that is so important for investors to understand is that retrading really, really, really needs to be your last resort. Um, and even as, as myself, as the seller on some of the deals I have, if I have an investor that comes with me and retrades for something that is not a, that a, a serious, serious problem, it's just, it's just very unlikely I'm ever going to want to work with that person again. Um, so, so just a tidbit on retrading, something that I've really, uh, that's really been hammered into me these last couple of weeks in my own business. And I think I, I felt like I, uh, felt like I should share my experience with that. Um, 
you know, if, if this is a format that you that you think is is helpful, or, or if you feel like this type of episode is is helpful or valuable, please let me know. You know, this is certainly something that's different than any any podcast episodes I've done, or you know, kind of different than what a, a lot of podcasters are doing. You know, straying from the traditional format of having a guest and you know getting into their story. But I thought that something shorter, something kind of bite sized that you might be able to work into your business today, um, there might be some value of. Uh, and releasing episodes like that on the podcast feed. So if this is something you've enjoyed, please let me know. Uh, leave a rating and a review. Uh, you know, shoot me a message on Instagram at multifamilywealth. Shoot me an email, multifamilywealth at gmail.com. And let me know if this is something that you find some value in, and I'll, uh, I'll keep doing them in the future here. But thanks again for listening as always. Have yourself a great weekend, and I look forward to talking to you guys again soon.